0: hey everyone welcome back to another episode of the book more show it's stuart bell here and today very excited because we are talking with rob Ma. rob how you doing
1: good thank you good good to be here thanks for asking me to come and chat
0: to you i'm excited and always good to intersperse the american accents with non-american accents so that <laughs> i don't feel like it's just me <laughs> rob's the author of the lost 90 percent fantastic book rob why don't you give an intro into what you do and the company, and we'll kind of transition a little bit into the book and what the plan there was.
1: Yeah, thank you. I suppose the book was a culmination of a series of thoughts and points I've been making in my coaching business over over the previous kind of ten years. I remember first talking about the ideas of training, coaching, and mentoring way back in kind of two thousand nine, two thousand and ten. And really feeling like when I spoke about it and how it related to people's competence and so on, I thought, it just seemed to land with people. Like a light bulb came on, I was like, okay, this is good. This is a good way of explaining this. And then I, you know, as many people do, I often aspire to writing a book and thinking about how it might be. The business kind of developed and then it's actually kind of split into two different spaces now. So there's, there's my space, the Rob Mar business, where people book me to come and deliver workshops and seminars and sessions and there's coaching and mentoring and so on large mostly multinational corporations typically in the us and canada and then the other side of the business is a new company that we formed last year called finding 90 which kind of relates to the book and the thesis or the idea is that most organizations are missing that 90 percent of people's development which is mentoring and coaching and often the training Element is the is actually should only be ten percent of the development journey is actually treated like a hundred percent of the journey. So what we end up with this situation of like a lot of training is used to manage performance or because there's a shortfall or it's a kind of we better do some training kind of a thing and then ends up being this cliff edge scenario where you were given some training the training is done. Therefore, the person has learned their stuff. But actually, <laughs> we all know in reality, just receiving information doesn't manifest any skills at all. So really, I just wanted to kind of capture that idea that really, we're doing a disservice to our colleagues in companies and corporations all over the world by not factoring in this mentoring and coaching piece. So really, that new business, Finding90.com, we're really being laser focused into a market that I've been working in for several years now with some really quite wonderful colleagues. Actually, our next book with 90 Minute Books is going to be very focused on a particular niche that we want to use this incredible model to share some guidance, some suggestions, some structure to a particular market. So it's been a brilliant journey and it's been incredible to see something I've been talking about for so long actually in book format and being able to share that with other people.
0: I think as well the opportunity to kind of crystallize your thoughts and your way of thinking, we're doing a book titles workshop next week, which I need to send an email about actually. But that idea of oftentimes it's it's that's the first step. Knowing kind of at a high level what you want to write about, what you want to engage people on gets people thinking in the right direction. But the next level to that. If you can tie it into a model that you've got, your particular way of thinking, I think it just amplifies it so much because not only you're talking about training and development, not only you're talking about mentoring, not only you're talking about some of the corporate values and benefits of doing it in this way, but the fact that you can tie it into your model so that when you are eventually speaking with people, there's some touch points all the way through the book. It's not just at a high level on the same page, but really all the way down the elements that you're talking about and the way that you present it, the language and the references that you make, it's almost like self-reinforcing. Did you find that came naturally and was, it was a pretty straightforward? You were building the book to the framework or did you start with the bigger ideas and then you had to kind of retrofit the framework in it to make it really gel?
1: So that's really interesting. I hadn't thought of it in that term before, but I think that's almost exactly what happened. I started out with kind of a very high-level amount of thought like a a whole idea about what the book should be about and then even when I got my first draft through uh, after talking to your colleagues it was uh, I realized how much was missing still like it was another kind of version of it came out of that where I had to then sit down and do a little bit more work a little bit more thinking apply a bit more structure and I think that was really helpful and then what happened was we actually published the first version of that book and I'm a very iterative type of person, so I'll keep working at things and I don't tend to kind of do, I don't prepare very well, so I tend to execute first and then try and, you know, right. f- fix, fix things out from them. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. in post-production. So we put the book out there and then there was a few things I was challenged by of some of those points you just mentioned, Stuart, around how focused is the book? How clear is it on its message? Does the branding align to the business? Does it really, is it a good foil for what I'm trying to sell? And I thought there were some things we could improve. Came back to you guys. Again, I have to say the service has been incredible. Just we're really well looked after. Great support. We changed the color scheme. We changed the font. We changed even the the texture of the paint. Everything was kind of just moved on another level. And then even from talking to yourself just as recently, I think it was this week, just even sharing some ideas with you and getting your expertise but how we can use this book and then the subsequent book to really focus in on our markets. When I've thought about that, it's interesting. What I started out with was this really broad idea. And then I realized that some of the challenges with that are then you've got to find a really big market to sell a really broad idea to. And the value of then coming back almost, like rebounding off that massive barrier and then coming back and to go, well, who is this for exactly? And instead of... I suppose the question ended up being, well, who do I want it to be for, which then brought us into kind of a more narrow market. And then again, as you kind of gave me some great guidance this week, you can go more niche. So it's been a really interesting process. I've thoroughly enjoyed it, I have to say. It's uh, I've been a bit fits and starts with it and uh, probably would have liked to have executed it a bit quicker, but that was all on me. But that time period, Stuart, I don't know if you've seen that with other authors or not, but the fact it took a bit longer was to its benefit in a way right. because the yeah. actual creation of the book was quite quick. I mean, that's the whole point of the business. That was good, but because that was quick, that was nearly the gold in it. Because it was fast, it allowed me to then use the other bits of time, which you could spend laboriously poring over the message right. and the content. It allowed that to happen much more organically. So it's been just a really interesting learning process, actually. Yeah.
0: And there's parallels i see in the conversation that you were talking about with organizations they think that the so my background is corporate i.t kind of like 15 years ago now so this idea that training is the budget's about to expire use it or lose it and the actual yeah. keeping the training being trained is 100 of the thing which is less effective than thinking in the round similar with books people my kind of oil as i'm talking to people is traditional publishing and I keep air quoting all the time, but traditional (laughs) publishing as the counter and the the least effective way for most business owners to create something that benefits the business. Because the traditional publishing model is this big laborious project that's almost carved in stone. It's a one-shot deal. All the money is put into that upfront and there's no kind of limbic time to think about how it changes and varies or to dial in the message kind of like branding when you go out to like a branding agency there's so much work put into this big effort to get from beginning to end all of the elements the logo the website the email the social media but like there's such a big thing that it doesn't allow for this iterative process of hey I'm, i think i'm starting here but i want need the opportunity to dial this piece in yeah i'll kind of of getting the 80 percent version out there as quick as possible and then I keep making the, I can't remember who said, Colin Powell or someone like that, or General Schwarzkopf or something like that. They're the saying that no plan survives contact with the enemy or Mike Tyson's <laughs> version of everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. It's not yeah. until you actually get it out then when you start using it. If you go with a more cost-effective first version that gives you like mental time and financial budget changes down the track, so much more effective for most people because we're not writers. Our job isn't to write a book that then sells for money and the book being the project, the product. Our job is running the business, and this is just a very effective lead generation and rapport building tool. So the opportunity that it gives, just as you said, to get it dialed in. How's the response been? So you said that there was some feedback on the clarity of message in the first version. That feedback as it comes in, I think some people are kind of apprehensive of that, and they almost want it perfect before it goes out there whereas my view is definitely get it out there and then be collaborative with the audience like this is a group we're all trying to be we're trying to move the training game forward together so I appreciate the feedback and look I'm trying to incorporate it here was that your experience or did you have that apprehension that you wanted it perfect first time and how did that
1: That's a good question. I, I think I, when I started out, I think I thought I wanted it to be perfect the first time, and kind of works towards that goal. But then I realised that it's not really realistic. And I, when I thought about the book, I didn't want it to be. I mean, one of the attractive elements to this is kind of the length of the book. It's a very readable size, and I, you know, I'm never going to sit down and write. measure what matters or a drive Daniel I'm never going to be that research led individual I'm going to be using calling on my own experience my customers experiences real life scenarios and I just want it to be like a plane book is how I called it which is like pick it up on it just go I'll read that on the plane and you could probably rattle through most of it in an hour or two yeah so that's what I wanted for it so then when I started getting feedback in then I had another reread and there was bits I just wasn't happy with and wanted to change and that's been really beneficial. And I think one of the reasons I wouldn't have tried to do it before was this idea of this heavy investment, like you said, Stuart, in the previous point you made. It's like, it feels like it's got to work. And <laughs> that is a, that's a massive amount of pressure to, again, you've yeah. made the point well, but if you're a busy a business owner and you're trying to run the thing, grow sales, manage your customers and so on, you haven't got really time to be an author, in that sort of writer in that traditional way of sitting down laboriously, capturing all of your thoughts, researching it, going to the libraries. It's just not possible. So you're right, it's become a real calling card. And I've actually done a series, of, a series of conferences there in Canada just over the last couple of months, which was huge fun. And just being able to buy a bunch of books myself, bring them over, hand them out. And I was just really delighted with how People were grabbing them off the table, and you know, I was just giving the books away. And, uh, and then people afterwards emailing me saying, Could you send me five copies? Could you send me 10 copies for our management team? And in some ways, I won't know what they think of it because I'm, I'm no one's going to take the time unless I ask them to come back and feedback to me at this stage. But the credibility of having your message in a book and having you taken the time to do that is hugely powerful. So I think the feedback was helpful to getting it to a level where I felt super proud of it. And I am proud of it for what I wanted it to be. I'm not proud of it in context to Ulysses, but I'm proud (laughs) of it in the context of, did it capture my thoughts? Does it share a simple message? Is it easy to read? Can someone pick it up and put it down and get a a sense of what it is to work with me or to to, to some of the themes? It's been really powerful from that perspective. So I suppose I would have been more apprehensive about the risk of doing a book but then working with yourself your team that that kind of left me then because it's like actually do you know what this is a really brilliant way to get into the market as you say get the 80 percent done, get it out there get the reaction to it because then your enthusiasm for the next one is like you're like yeah let's do it again you just want to get on with it and start publishing more often
0: Right, and the point that you made when you started talking about the individual niches and funnels and campaigns, so much more an effective way of thinking about each book, rather than thinking about, okay, I'm going to invest $100,000 and two years of my life into the one thing that has to achieve all things, because the likelihood of that happening is much lower but then also the effectiveness in a campaign. If you've got a HR manager here and a training manager here and a head of department here and and the staff members themselves here, those four constituents, the one course, the one piece of training that you provide might actually be the thing that you that is the most beneficial for them to be delivered. Yeah. But where they're coming into it, the start of their conversations. You talked about the book is think about it like a, a plain reading book we talk about them in terms of conversation starting books because the job of work of starting those four conversations, the jumping off points and the perspectives and the examples are all very different so eventually having ones for different campaigns and whether it's as close as that or whether it's a little bit more diverse like the different companies the different organizations different industries that you might be speaking to sure. But this idea of thinking about in the book as a conversation starting point to a campaign and I almost think that this day and age there's something more rapport building or relationship building with something that's imperfect i almost wanted to call the company like practically imperfect books because that kind of realism of hey we've got this model that works so well that i just wanted to quickly in the and, and without all the overhead and the pomp and circumstance of a traditional book just get this thought to you so we can start a conversation it makes you much more accessible yeah and sets that tone that this is step one in a conversation but obviously the next thing is we need to jump on a call or you need to check out this video where i'm going into more detail so i think that's the second benefit as well the accessibility and the idea of building that relationship
1: it's momentum too, isn't it? And I think when I think about the value of it from a content perspective, I mean, I am i certainly wouldn't be described as prolific on social media. I think maybe if I post one thing a week or something, usually about, oh, I'm here today with these people or whatever, yeah. it's pretty limited. But when I was talking to someone today about kind of getting some additional marketing support just to improve the output from zero to something in my business, <laughs> just even that as a content repository Like all these quotables, all these thoughts, all these pieces of content that it can exist within a book and you can capture all of that so quickly. And then there's nearly no limitation, is there, these days, Stuart, to how far you can spin your content out into multiple different varieties of social media. And it's just incredible, even just verbally recording it and then having that as a singular podcast or having it as an audio file just to share with the client. It's the scope, once you've documented it, It's just
0: unbelievable. It's actually quite interesting. I've got a draft email that I need to send out to you and a number of the other guys. Who I'm probably going to send it to people who've been on the podcast first, just because I've got a little bit more of a relationship, having been on the phone with you for 45 minutes. So I'm going to send it to you and and some of the other recent people who've been on the show to say, okay, we always talk about ourselves as a marketing company, not a publishing company, and the books are just a very effective marketing tool. We give it all to you, you own it all, it's your stuff. We're just helping execute that as opposed to traditional publishing. But ironically, what we're pretty bad at doing is saying, okay, now that you've got the thing, here's some marketing ideas around it. We obviously do (laughs) strategy calls. You kind of alluded to that before we jumped on a call, but we don't create a whole load of downstream So. Last week, I was brainstorming what those downstream assets might be. We've also got a podcasting company as well, where we help people do podcasts. And for the people who do the book and the podcast, there's even more material as that repository. But those individual assets, those social media assets, we're on the same page at the same time. It's always funny when that happens. It's okay, I've got this thing... What can I do to amplify it in the most effective way possible? And I think for some people, they come to it from the perspective of, they're the people who wrote it. So you've got all of the subconscious stuff in your head, the stuff that didn't make it in the book, the bigger picture stuff that fills in the blanks. You've got the book itself, which is 10,000 words of actual detail. And it's very easy to think about, okay, well, I can maybe I can do one post there on this and one video here on this but then I've kind of exhausted it because I've talked about the one things, when the reality is from the receiver's point of view, the person on the other end of the social channel, they may be seeing one in 10 things as if that would be yeah. a good result. So the opportunity you've got to write five things on there and five things on this and five things on this the fear of repetition that we've got as the creators really isn't the same on the recipient side because they just don't get the same exposure so that amplification it's very easy to generate a year's worth of stuff a year's worth of evergreen stuff that can then be repeated so you've got kind of like a perpetual cycle based on the content that you've now got and the unlimited opportunity to elaborate on an individual post or do what I'd heard, I always call it topic bridging. I'm assuming I heard that from somewhere else, but the idea of topic bridging, so something timely might happen, but then you can bridge it into something evergreen that's in the book. And that opportunity is really quite special. The other thing I was thinking, as you were talking about using the books in the, as you were speaking at different events, opportunity to reinforce that from the stage so so many people will say okay there's books at the back of the room go grab a copy or there's the bags that people sometimes get there's a copy in there but if you're really trying to reinforce the piece that you're talking about Mm. again do it in a classy way not kind of cheesy over egging it kind of way having the book there and say okay everyone now we're going to turn to page five see what we say there we talk about this being a key element get your pen out, circle it, because I know that you're gonna leave when we talk today. We're here for 20 minutes. You're gonna see 10 other people speaking, but these things are really gonna make a difference when you get back to the the office. So we're gonna have fun exercise together. Mm -hmm. Circle this. Take two seconds to write in the blank space what you're thinking is the key thing to make a change so that when you get back to the office next week, you're not thinking, oh, you know what? I really enjoyed speaking to Rob, but what was it that he says? We're going to fold down the edge of the page okay now we're going to move to page 10 we're going to do the same That's because, great, you? and you can make a joke about it as well or not a joke but you can do it in a fun way hey look yeah. we're coming up on lunchtime you've listened to a lot of people speaking you want to get to food i want to make this as easy as possible today here in the room isn't going to be a game changer for your business monday when you get back in the office all of the emails are going to come back in, a week's going to disappear, a month's going to get disappear. So there's ways of like gamifying it a little bit. And it's always exciting or interesting when you see people thinking about using things in these different ways.
1: I hadn't thought of it in that term, because I suppose what, you, what one tends to do is you end up using a kind of a workbook scenario where you, if you're running a dynamic workshop, or you might use two or three slides to make a point I use a lot of group discussion a lot of dialogue a lot of kind of role play and it's kind of pretty interactive but I hadn't thought about how you could even reference the book's content in some of those situations to kind of go if you want to read a bit more about that it's in here on page that's a really clever idea yeah. so yeah that's interesting thank you
0: and there's two things I think that resonates with or relates to one is for the audience, make it more usable for them. Because just like you say, being trained in the event is only 10% of it. The other 90% is the implementation and remembering to use these tools down the track. So leading Mm. into it and saying to people, hey, listen, this isn't the first rodeo, you professionals, this is probably the fourth or fifth one you've been to in the last 12 months. We all know that in 10 days from now, you might remember the fact that I had a beard and a slight <laughs> Irish accent, but you're not gonna remember yeah. what I'm saying in the moment. And that's gonna make yeah. a difference. So like getting them more involved and the different learning styles. So it's not just being talked to, but you kind of bringing yeah. in a physical component to it. And the other thing from your benefit, it reinforces your message so it's not just that you're talking from stage and oh that guy said it so there's some authorities the fact that he said it and he's on stage but now okay he said it and it's written in a book and in a week's time I've got the book on my shelf and I can refer back to it so it kind of subconsciously those kind of persuasion type elements of reinforcing it I think there's an element of that as well could be used for good or for evil so we're going to use it for good but
1: yeah that's a great point I really haven't thought about that but that's a really good suggestion thank you yeah
0: cool the thing you do is get people to rip the pages out say okay we know that of a book there's going to be two things in this book that are useful to you so what I want you to do is at the end of we're going to talk through some things at the end of it I want you to rip two pages out that are the most meaningful and then throw the rest of the book away like you can really find Take that Because no one else, does everyone else thinks of books as things that are on a shelf and should be revered and not even written, yeah. down, page folded down. So really taking it to that extra level of, I mean that would be a memory anchor. Anyway, getting sidetracked. Um, yeah. Your business i want to make sure that we got some time to talk about what you do and the the opportunity that you've got to talk with people so mm. the idea of the book and being the 90 percent and separating out that actual being trained mm. from the benefit of training and development generally and mentoring so the organizations that you're working with your accent actually, actually i was thinking mine is still being pretty riddish although I grew up in North Wales, but I really don't have a Welsh accent, but your accent is similar. So you're in Ireland at the moment. But yeah. The clients are mainly in the US and Canada.
1: That's correct. Yeah. So about 80% of the people I work with are in, in North America. So I work in animal pharmaceuticals, in digital travel marketing, there's a few different sectors, food in the UK and Ireland, UK, sorry, just UK, recruitment, those types of sectors. So I've I do try to focus in areas which are resilient, I guess. So, you know, a bad year in most of those markets is still an okay year, whereas some of the markets I would have perhaps started out in, the water's too choppy. So but I also recognize I needed to be in a bigger marketplace too. I think, you know, when you're, when you're working in Ireland, it's a pretty small, small populace. Yeah. Probably about the same size as Greater Manchester. and you know, it's a small market. That there's, I mean, it's a great market. People are wonderfully friendly and very helpful and very open actually here in Ireland. But I just recognised if I was going to be able to scale that business up and start this new business, that I wasn't going to be able to do that to the extent that I wanted to in Ireland. And I, I probably felt I'd moved on from the UK at that point. I do love working. I just, I genuinely love working in America and Canada. I find that the enthusiasm towards learning, towards growth and development is just incredible. And The positivity, the attitudes towards learning, implementation of the learning—it's really a different experience altogether. And I think when I was talking to my one of my coaches very early on about this change, and I was describing this event that I run, and it was just completely like you know those career high moments where you go, "That was just phenomenal experience," and he said, "See, you've had a taste of how you want to feel," and I was like, "That's exactly what it is. Just had like a taste of that, and I want to." I want more of that on a regular basis. So that's the plan, really. I do a tremendous amount of video calls, which is one of the advantages of Zoom. I mean, you're over there and I'm over here and it's, we're still able to kind of communicate seamlessly. So that is a very effective tool, but still I love. I probably do 10 trips over there during the year and they're always highlights. They're always memorable experiences, yeah.
0: The people that you're dealing with, so the people that you're working with, might not in a corporate sense, might not be the ones who are paying you directly because it's coming through the organization. So do you typically work with the individuals, the people who are, I'm trying to think of a less crass way of saying it than to talk about the people who pay you, Do you, are you typically <laughs> pay by the organizations to train their staff or by the individuals looking for career development?
1: It's almost exclusively organizations paying me to come and work with their teams. So it tends to be a combination of events. So like a conference or a national sales meeting followed up with some kind of individualized coaching and mentoring, but it's usually sponsored by the company. So they're paying for the sessions and it might be, and we have a couple of projects on them where It might be like one a quarter or sometimes it's every month. If they're attending a program or a workshop that we're delivering, we tend to try and make sure that the cadence is more frequent for the coaching and mentoring just to try and really transition the skills the quarterly calls tend to be more problem solving, you know, like, right. We've got this situation. Now this is what we did last quarter. This is what we need to focus on this quarter, but no, it's exclusively. Yeah. Nearly exclusively the corporation. I tend to, some of it's by design, but I try to target companies that are international. So my clients literally range from Asia Pacific right the way across to the west coast of the USA and Canada and kind of everywhere and everything in between. So. There's a lot of diversity of people, of cultures, which I find fascinating. But it's it, the company have different objectives, or the companies have different objectives. But my target is always to work with companies with great scope, but also great internal similarities. So there could be usually, typically, like multi-divisional. So there might be there's a sales team here, there's a sales team there, there's a leadership team here, there's so the work is easily replicated, not easily replicated. The people are all different, of course, but that there's
0: There's synergy to it that
1: there's a channel I treat yeah I I think the way I think about it is they're they're wonderful channels because you get to start to learn the culture of the organization you start to see what's what way they work what way they operate how that differs in different territories and it allows it to feel even though you could be working for two three four five years at a time you can feel part of that team part of that business and you know it's lovely sometimes I mean I've had it said recently you know you're part of the family you're part of the group and it's to me, that feels very gratifying being not just as a coach or a consultant being dropped in to do a piece of work, but when you're an, someone that people lean on to talk about, sometimes talk about nearly anything and feel that you can be helpful in some way, it's, it's incredible. And I'm sure that's not the core, to go back to your original point, that I'm sure that's not the overarching corporate goal. Businesses want to grow sales, they want to develop leaders, they want things to move forward, but... I'm so blessed with the people that I work with, that their overriding motivation is always towards their people. Right. And that is, that really, for me, that would be a cultural misfit. If the company wasn't ultimately, it's all about my team, it's all about my people, the investment in those people, I'm very privileged to work with companies that have that focus. The global organisations, they don't get it right every time. Of course they don't, I'm not saying that, but... The drive is there to want to do a good job for their people, yeah. and then to be part of that is is incredible. So yeah, they're nowhere better than North America in many ways. Although of course there are exceptions. Some incredible companies in the UK, incredible companies across Europe and into Asia, where they're of course exactly the same. But I find, on the whole, the culture in North America towards training, learning, development is it's it's untouchable.
0: And sometimes like you say it's how you resonate with them and how they resonate with you yeah. so even in the same company in a different location and just a few different a few small changes it might be difficult to put your exact finger on but when you know when you resonate you know when you resonate and that works well yeah so as hr managers or sales team managers are listening what's the best way of finding out more about you and what you do where can people go to find out more
1: well the linkedin is a good place to start i suppose I always talk to people about the best way to get me in because, you know, sometimes it's hard with budgets and things like that. You need to find something that's going to add some value and it's going to add some, you'll see something tangible at the foot of it. So what I'd encourage people to do, is, first of all, think about what do we need to have a specific impact on in terms of skills, our team, our leaders, our sales? What behaviours are we trying to shift? What changes of behaviours? That is absolutely my sweet spot. It's not just about delivering content. It's about actually manifesting a change of behavior in teams, in leaders, in their attitudes and so on. And that's the work I love to do the most. So first of all, have a think about where those changes might need to be. And then, of course, you could reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm usually pretty responsive on there. With, you'll find it less than 24 hours. I can shout out my mobile number, if you like, on yeah, here, if like that's good. So it's 353 and then email robmar.ie or rob at finding90.com. I, any of those places are good to get a hold of me.
0: Fantastic. Well, we'll put links to all of those in the show notes. So as you're watching or listening to this, just head back to the show notes and in the podcast player or on the website, you'll see the links there. And then we should definitely catch up six months down the track and see how things are going and see what's changed in the in Rob's world.
1: Absolutely. I feel like I need to talk to you more often because you've given me two golden ideas in less than a week, Stuart. So I feel I might be tapping your expertise more regularly. Uh, yeah, keep definitely.
0: With ideas. Well, I tell you what, I stop, on strategy calls or on podcasts, I say to people that sometimes if I, it, with you, it's probably fine because we got a kind of that accent we dialed in. But to some people I say, if I start talking too fast because I get enthusiastic at any point, if you can't understand me, just stop me and I'll slow down or I'll suddenly take a breath and realize that I'm starting to get a little bit hoarse and croaky. And the AI software that does the does the transcripts for the calls shames me because the email will come through and it'll say that the guest talked for two minutes and you talked for 48 minutes. So that, <laughs> yeah, definitely not short of enthusiastic ideas. So yeah, we can definitely do that again.
1: <laughs> well, it's brilliant. It's brilliant. There's it's great. It's great energy and creativity. So uh, it's much appreciated. And genuinely, it's been such a pleasure working with your team and this process of book creation has been just, it's been fantastic. So I'm looking forward to creating a few more books over the next few years with you, with
0: you Austria. Well, fantastic. And thank you as well. It's always good to catch up with people and get to share their story a little bit more. And hopefully some of our ideas will spark other people as well and help them get their message out there. Brilliant. So with that, everyone, thanks for watching, listening again. Make sure you check out the show notes for Rob's contact details. And then as always, we'll catch you in the next one.